week or so since we talked to you last. A lot has happened, as we always say when we get down to business in these things. I'm sorry if I, <laughs> Caleb, we're recording on Zoom tonight and Caleb keeps throwing up these very sensual emojis that take over half the screen. Um, so I got a little distracted there, but um, this is an ASMR show now. No, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, we would actually probably do really well with ASMR. I think particularly Nick. I think Nick's voice is very soothing. Like, if you can hear my voice, like, slip into the beyond. Yeah, Nick Nick could really be a good hypnotist. That's my my take. Yeah, I know. Be. As long as he didn't have to do his sessions over Zencaster. Um, but I'm Nathan Strauss, joined by a man who did not get sent off for the first time in his professional career this last weekend. It is Caleb Rhodes. No, I'm a I'm a professional on the pitch. Okay, that's true. Um, Caleb takes being gentlemanly very very seriously. Not exactly. in middle school. Caleb was not a professional on the pitch. Did you ever school. Did you ever get booked in middle school soccer? Did he? He should have. He should have in middle school soccer. You know, sometimes part of being a professional is a cheeky professional foul. So, you no, know, that's that's very true. Trust me, I um. I completely agree. I loved a good a good dirty play. Everyone and also shouting shouting down his teammates on the sideline. It's motivation. <laughs> it's true. Chirping your own goalie, stuff like that. I uh, definitely had a bit of a. I was kind of like Ronaldo in the Euros. Um, <laughs> that's actually the perfect analogy. Oh wait, sorry. Was that the sorry the Champions League? What am I talking about? No, it was no, the no, Euros. no. It was the Euros. No, it was the Euros. Oh, it was the Euros. Oh, it was the Euros. Okay. Remember the, the the fly that was circling around him. Okay, okay. I couldn't remember. I thought it was yes. like a UCL final, maybe. It was the Euros. No, no. Okay. no Ronaldo good, good. in the Champions League was consistent. But the voice that you heard is the voice of a man whose team got donged by a man whose name belongs in Shakespeare. It is Nick Gavinden. Yes, indeed. We can talk about that. Crescencio, Crescencio. Wherefore, Wherefore art thou, Crescencio? In the but, box. Yes. The six-yard box. <laughs> <laughs> Tapping it in in yes. the 90th minute at Anfield. But yes, I am here. I am no hypnotist, but you can hypnotize I am. Nick if you want. <laughs> I, if you I, want to I try. Do, I'll be in I your state th- next week. So that's true. I do certainly wish I could have slept through the Leeds game. That is for sure. I think we should probably start with today's European results because they're a little bit fresher in the mind, as in they literally happened, you know, 90 minutes ago uh, before we work our way backwards. And let's see, you guys have any objections to that uh, order of things. Actually, you know what? I just I'm just I'm ruling by fiat here, and I'm just gonna say we're gonna do it. Um today, today, uh the first half of the Champions League group stage uh concluded with some groups having already been sewn up. For example, we knew going into today that Bayern and Inter were already through, Barcelona were in the Europa League, and Victoria were going to go out. Uh and that is indeed what happened. Bayern won 2-0 against Inter, Barcelona rotated completely uh and one four two at uh in in Czechia we don't need to talk too much about that group because it was already decided but another group that was already decided that we don't need to talk too much about is group a 
Liverpool Napoli we knew they were going through Liverpool would have had to score I believe they would have had to win 5-0 to go through uh in first rather than second Ajax go through in third Rangers are out with the worst record in a single Champions League group stage of all time no wins just a casual minus 20 goal differential but no wins and no vibes um, yes either. no the vibes are really bad like at least at least Celtic you know they've got vibes Antipastacoglu a very vibey coach I think it's safe to say uh but two groups had a lot at stake today and we'll start in group B uh, which was the early group today and we talked a bit about this last week guys but Atleti continue to struggle uh, as they crash out of Europe they're not even going to be in the Europa League they needed to win today or at least secure a draw uh, to give themselves a chance of at least going to the Europa League and instead a team that started the likes of Griezmann, Joao Felix, Angel Correa, Rodrigo de Paul, etc. They are done. What does this mean? Uh, it means that we are, you know, careening closer and closer to Diego Simeone leaving at the end of the season, which we've talked about before. But honestly, the the extent of Atleti's, you know, collapse in all phases of the pitch um, is is concerning on a global level. I mean, as you mentioned, in this game, they knew they needed to get some points out of it. Obviously, they are playing Porto, who ended up, you know, winning the group. So a challenging matchup, but still one that on paper, in theory, you'd think at least, you know, would favor Atleti. They conceded in the, in the fifth minute um, of this game, and they only scored, you know, their consolation goal in the 95th minute through an own goal. This followed, you know, their game at the weekend in La Liga, where they lost to 19th place Cadiz, um, three to two, after conceding a goal in the first minute. Then um, they then scored, you know, after bringing on Jao Felix, and this I think in this game against Porto was his first start in a while. He came on, completely changed the game. Um, goal in the 85th and 89th minute. But of course, Cadiz scored in the 81st. And then Atleti gave up the winner in the 99th minute. So I think what we're seeing in a lot of ways, you know, analogous to Barcelona kind of losing their aura, we're seeing the kind of, you know, defensive stalwart aura, um, the kind of intrepid, you know, bulldog type um, mentality that you associate with them and character. Um, kind of fall to pieces. And when you're losing to Cadiz um, and you're getting knocked out of the Champions League, it's hard to see too many positives um, for this side. Yeah, Diego Simeone has been at Atletico Madrid since they were in the second division since 2011. That makes it almost his 11th anniversary of being Atleti manager come December. So that is a long, long, long time to be at one institution uh, especially in an institution such as soccer, where there's such high turnover, especially at the managerial level. And I think you are like the previous few seasons, I think since Atleti won, won the title during COVID um, have been, you know, somewhat, I think highlighting the fact that the Simeone rub might be coming to an end. The fact that a new project might need to be on the horizon for Simeone. There are several links to him going to Inter a few years ago. And I think those could resurface again, but I certainly think Caleb is right in saying that, you know, the sheen, whatever left, whatever there was left there, I think it just might be time for Simeone to part ways with that lady. 
Yeah, we talked a bit about this last week, but he is far and away the longest tenured manager uh, in the big five leagues in Europe. I would imagine that Klopp is probably number two, or actually Pep is number two in that case, right? But uh, no, Klopp's yeah. been there longer than Pep. Yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a it's been a really really long time. He was obviously a club legend as a player as well. Uh, so. This team has just spent really, really poorly. And in La Liga, where the margins are just a lot finer than in the Prem, you can't get away with a transfer like the Joao Felix transfer. Uh, and importantly, as we also discussed last week, not to rehash that whole discussion, the transfers they've made have by and large been of players in their prime, with the exception of Joao Felix, which means that now this team is both bad and aging and past their prime. It's a similar issue to what Arsenal had like three years ago. So eventually a change is going to have to come because they are just a really unpleasant watch. And shout out to Porto, who topped their group, uh, surpassing Club Bruja, who looked to have actually locked up that first place spot before they decided to switch off a bit in the last two group stage games. But in a group that had, I would say, the two favorites coming into it were Atleti and Leverkusen, uh, Porto and Bruja go through, so good for them. They will probably end up being viewed as some of the easier draws uh, for both the first and second place teams in the next round, but good for them. Uh, Leverkusen will be in the Europa League. It's a, a good turnaround for them under Xabi Alonso. Uh, they drew today. They got outplayed. Tejan Buchanan missed a sitter for for Bruges. But uh, is there anything else that we want to discuss about that group, or shall we move on to the most fun group of the day? Group D. Group D. So, Group D. Marseille, Spurs, Frankfurt, and Sporting, I believe every team in this group held every single position at some court at some point during this match day, with the exception of Spurs and fourth place, which is pretty remarkable. It was a truly uh this is the kind of stuff that you that, that you love, you know, with like World Cups and the final match day of groups. Uh at the end of the day, courtesy of some very late drama in both games, we have Spurs going through to top the group, Frankfurt sneaking in in second place, Sporting surpassing Marseille for that third place spot as a result of that 95th minute winner for Spurs. But what an afternoon it was for all four teams involved, really. Yeah, I mean, I think you can really chart the course of this group by our texts in our chat when it halftime I texted Spurs and Nathan you discussed them going into the Europa League um and then you were talking about your North London Derby Europa League final um you called Spurs fragile um at one point in, in this chat as well and to be clear okay, I, to be fair, they are they are absolutely no, no 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 I know um but then I'll double down <laughs> but then you know like 30 minutes later I was like wow group D has actually completely inverted um, by the end of this game, um, you know, Frankfurt, I think we're going out at halftime. They finished second Spurs with literally a goal at the death. Hoiberg scoring, you know, a pretty desperate goal, um, in the 95th minute in a game that only had four minutes of stoppage time. Um, I believe Marseille's coach was, was on the field desperately trying to wave his players back to defend, um, but it it was, as you said, a kind of stunning moment. And it is really, at the end of the day, you know, what we hope for um, and what we don't get very often in the Champions League group stage where, you know, a lot of the time the 
group can be sewn up by game three if it's sort of really unbalanced. So some great drama um, and it's Spurs who um, will, will feel pretty good, um, you know, going back home to London uh, from Marseille. Yeah, I mean, what a huge moment at the Stade Villadrome. And also a goal from Clement Langlais, who has been, I think, kind of underwhelming for Spurs so far. But that's a huge moment for one of Antonio Conte's transfers this summer. And it's just, uh, I mean, what a result for Conte, especially after the Man United game where Spurs really underperformed um, and have been underperforming, I think, for a few weeks. And for Conte to finally get this big result in a European match. And I think we can all agree that Antonio Conte's big Achilles heel has been uh, wins, big wins in the Champions League and also in the Europa League, considering he lost the final the last time he was there as well. I think it's a massive boon for Spurs. Huge for Frankfurt as well. You know, the winners of the Europa League last season, you know, taking that step forward and progressing at the death as well to the Champions League round of 16. But yeah, this was a very, very, very fun and interesting group, all because Spurs kind of crapped the bed along the way. But I think finally, this is a massive result, a galvanizing result for Conte and Spurs and should probably, you know, leave them feeling really good for their game on Sunday against, let checks notes. Oh, it's against Liverpool. Very good. <laughs> yeah, no, Liverpool have a couple of times this year been at the receiving end of other teams' peak form. Although I will say, we'll talk about the Prem in a little bit, but Spurs did not exactly look super inspiring this last weekend. But Spurs could end up drawing either Benfica, uh, one of Dortmund or Sevilla, either Milan team, which could be very fun just for the plot, uh, and then a team like Bruges, or you know, potentially there could be another a team, another switch up tomorrow uh, in the standings. By the way, Liverpool could end <laughs> by virtue of finishing second, and with Man City. Uh, going through Man City and Chelsea going through on top of their group. Uh, Liverpool are the list of teams that they could potentially draw is insane. It's Real Madrid, PSG, uh, amongst others. It's it, it could be very tricky. They could end up having to go the Barcelona route, uh, if you will, of uh, drawing really tough teams early. Although there's also been the Madrid route as of late. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was a there 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 was a moment where Nuno Tavares missed a a shot from inside the box in like the 93rd minute and I had my sort of heart in my throat a little bit thinking about you know how sweet it would have been for a former Arsenal player to you know send Spurs to the Europa League and yeah I think it's also you know four ex Arsenal players right but perhaps this game also showed why they're ex Arsenal players rather but without than a doubt without a doubt Arsenal players so yeah, it goes I mean, both ways. Look, at the end of the day, like this group was not, I mean, the group was decided on this last match day, but when you have such fine margins, you know, each each game counts so much. And if Sporting had ended up, you know, not conceding that late goal to Betancourt uh, a couple of weeks ago, or if Spurs hadn't, you know, hung on against Frankfurt, like it could have been very, very different there as well. But Spurs do go through. It's a much needed win for Conte, who I think was a couple of late comebacks not materializing away from feeling the heat a little bit. And a tough break for Marseille, who uh, went from being in Europe to out of Europe with more or less the last kick of the game. I feel like this is a morally right victory, though. No, I think, I, think that's, I think that's fair. I think that's Because I, I don't want to pretend like Marseille are this, you know, super feel-good club. I mean, like, there's a lot of 
green laser lights during this game. They did the classic, you know, fireworks outside the hotel last night. So I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I think this was a, you know, a good sporting win and I'm not sure we should feel too badly for Marseille. Um, at the end of the day. Yeah. But. Oh, and obviously the other big news from the Spurs game is that Son went off injured with what looks like an orbital fracture, meaning that uh, it, it'll be a race for a race with time for him to get back for the World Cup, which would obviously be huge for South Korea. But also, I mean, I think it's safe to say probably for the entire game of soccer, because he is one of, if not the biggest star, maybe outside of Europe and South America in the world. It's certainly up there. So hopefully he uh, he recovers from that soon. But do we want to move to the pre? Yeah. And this comes on the, the same day that Paul Pogba's agent announced that he will not be participating at the World Cup either. So that list of players who won't be at the World Cup due to injuries accrued during the season is just getting you know ever so longer, which is sad to see. Indeed. All right. It's time to head back to this weekend now and nick i'm sorry to have to do this for what seems like the like eighth time this year but 2-1 loss for liverpool uh against leeds a late winner it's the first loss at anfield in virgil van dyke's career do you have any takeaways from this game aside from this feels really bad and i hate soccer no, I think that's essentially my takeaway is that I, I've really sort of run out of things to say on this podcast when it comes to Liverpool results like this, because I feel like the story is very much the same. You know, Liverpool are really crap out of possession. Um, they've been out sprinted in so many games this season. I forget the actual statistic, but it is the most they've been out sprinted um, in like one season since Klopp has arrived. So they're just getting outworked, which is very uncharacteristic of Liverpool. Um, players like Fabinho and um, Virgil van Dijk and Co. look like they're just exhausted from the trials and tribulations of last season and playing every single game available to them. It, it just hasn't. And then, you know, they do something like they turn around and beat Napoli 2-0 in the Champions League where they've been quite good except for that one game where they lost uh, by a heavy margin in Naples. So there clearly is still a lot of quality in this Liverpool team. They're just woefully inconsistent. They're horrendous out of possession, uncharacteristically so. The press in the Premier League seems to have been figured out, and they need to um, take a new tact. But yeah, this was Leeds are not, you know, for all of Jesse Marsh's likability, Leeds have been decent in the Premier League. I think they've been really good against some of the bigger teams. But, you know, they're not they're not one of the best sides in the league and Liverpool should be beating them handily at home with the talent that they have. And I think Liverpool, as they have so many times this season, it's sad to say have we're comprehensively, you know, outworked in this game, which I think should be a huge red flag for Jurgen Klopp and FSG that they need to strengthen, particularly in the midfield department this, this, this winter urgently. Yeah. Which is also, kind of what we knew to be true heading into the season. Like if you roll back the tape to our preview podcast, I think our number one question was, where is this midfield going? And it doesn't help that they've had injuries there. And, and also their one, you know, perhaps not excellent, but um, one player they brought in, Arthur got a pretty significant, what did he actually injure again? Um, I think it's his hamstring. So he's, yeah, whatever, whatever. he, 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 he will never play for Liverpool functionally. Um, on the flip side, I think this was, 
you know, I, I think a pretty do or die game, perhaps not for leads in total, but certainly for Jesse Marsh, who I think remains popular, but the results, especially after spending, you know, quite big this summer, over a hundred million, um, we're not quite coming their way. They've clawed themselves slightly more towards the mid table. They're in 15th right now. Um, they have 12 points, but they've only played 12 games. So they've played one fewer than most teams um, around them. And I think this is just like a big result for them. And also Crescencio Somerville has just a fantastic, um, a fantastic name. Nathan, what was his full, full name? Do you still have that up? <laughs> his... <laughs> no, I don't have it up. Hang on. I think I sent it in the chat though. So let me, let me find it because it was, yeah, uh... let's see if we have, Oh wait, I have it. I have it. Uh, so the goal in the 89th minute by Crescencio Gilbert Silverio Ciro Somerville, um, which which really is like a truly like Shakespearean name, I think, um, or at least it's a name that I can't quite place because it seems to mix kind of Italian, maybe some Portuguese. Uh, it's an impressive name um, for also for a town in Massachusetts. Goal. Somerville, but spelled this is spelled in like a very summer, British way. Yeah, this is Somerville. Yeah. Well, I believe he is a he is Surinamese of or Dutch of Surinamese descent because I remember uh, him being uh, a Feyenoord uh, youth player. So uh yeah. Vicencio de Bergerac. Yeah, no, exactly. But it did feel very Shakespearean. Uh, and he certainly inflicted a tragedy upon Liverpool, who find themselves yes. in ninth place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh in ninth place right now. Uh two points behind Brighton and three points behind Fulham. So the season is going great uh, in Anfield so far. Elsewhere in the Prem, a Hollandless Man City got a Kevin De Bruyne free kick banger to beat Leicester, who are still in the relegation zone. Brentford and Wolves drew 1-1. But I think the biggest shock scoreline of the weekend came as Graham Potter was dealt a very unsavory Welcome in his rematch with his former club, Brighton, who smoked Chelsea. It was not a contest. It was over at the end of the first half, 4-1 the final. And yeah, Brighton are not dead without Potter is, is my big takeaway from this. No, and how poetic that this was Roberto De Zerbi's first win with Brighton over Graham Potter. And the players, this is one of those that I think the Brighton players were probably very, very up for to kind of show it, give it in the face of the manager that left them midway through the season. And Chelsea, I think, have been relatively okay under Potter. They've certainly been picking up wins. They've been consistent defensively. They've been good. But yeah, they were all over the place in this game, exemplified by the two own goals and I don't think it's back to the drawing drawing board for Graham Potter by any means. But yeah, this was certainly a bit a bit embarrassing if you're old uh, Graham Potter. Also, like how surprised can we really be that this didn't work when Graham Potter trotted out, you know, I think his favored 3-4-3, three, three, but his wide backs were Christian Pulisic and Raheem Sterling um, with Cucurella playing as a left-sided center back. Um, so I, I just think he the system didn't make sense at all. Um, and I think he had to switch pretty quickly to a more standard back four. And I think Chelsea definitely looks better in the second half. But what this highlights, I think, especially is that, you know, without Conte, without Reese James, um, 
you know, I think those are some of, you know, A, the most skilled players that Chelsea have, but B, are some of the most important players for how their system functions. Um, and it's pretty clear that he thinks, you know, as Piliqueta's kind of passed it, he didn't make it onto the field at all today. Um, Jorginho was on the bench, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek preferred, Zakaria, who continues to be a big question mark. Um, and so I think, I don't really know what the strongest Chelsea 11 is, but it doesn't seem like Potter does either. Um, and in the absence of a player like James, especially, he's got to sort that out pretty fast. Yeah, I honestly think the reason that Chelsea looked better with a back four and not a back three is like very, this is like a bit of a reductive analysis, but this team doesn't have that many goals in it. And so when you remove a player who's ostensibly a defender and add a midfielder or, you know, push a Sterling or a Pulisic further forward, uh, that just gets more players to where the goals come from. And obviously I'm not going to be winning any, you know, I'm not winning any Pulitzers or Nobel prizes for that analysis. You're not having a masterclass anytime no, soon. No, I'm, not, exa- I'm uh, not exactly hosting a masterclass, but like, look, when you start a back three with Kovacic and Loftus-Cheek who don't score open play goals at all, it's not, it's not really going to work. And in the era of, you know, post-Arsenal Aubameyang, where look, he, at the end of the day, like he scores goals, but he's also 33. He's not, he's not getting you 20 goals a season anymore. And Armando Broya doesn't look like he's totally up to Chelsea standards. He's just very, what was the word that we used to describe him earlier this year? Immobile. He, he lacks lateral movement. Uh, it's this team, the way it's currently constructed, needs to be able to create and just possess the ball higher up the pitch. And a back three slash back five isn't really the place to do that, especially when you have a player like Raheem Sterling who can play either as a striker or on either wing. So that's certainly how I would set up this Chelsea team going forward. I'd imagine they're going to rotate pretty heavily tomorrow, having already, uh, you know, clinched their group. But yeah, certainly still some growing pains for for Potter at Chelsea. Uh, anything else from that that game or match day that we want to? Well, just that that point that Caleb was making or that you were making, Nathan, about uh, Chelsea not being full of goal scorers right now. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who started his Chelsea game or his Chelsea camp, his Chelsea tenure rather quite well, has looked like the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang the last time we saw him in the Premier League with Arsenal towards the end of his tenure there. He looks a little uh, stunted movement wise. He definitely looks a bit older, just doesn't look quite as effective so yeah, I think Chelsea have some questions to answer when it comes to not only the defensive department without Reese James and N'Golo Kante, but also you know where their production is going to come from statistically once the World Cup is over. On Sunday in the Prem, only two games. One saw a real slugfest between United and West Ham, where Rashford scored a nice header, but that was pretty much the extent of the action. And then his hundredth, yes, his, he became a, a centurion. So good for him. I'm I personally think that Rashford is one of the most likable guys in the in the prem uh not not that that's a hot take but I am happy for him finding success I could care less about his team but uh in the other game that day we didn't have to talk about it but unlike a certain team that one of the people on this podcast support uh Arsenal destroyed Nottingham Forest at home 5-0 uh including two goals and an assist from Reese Nelson who came on for his first Premier League action in over two years since the 2019-2020 season. So, or rather 2020-2021. Um, Where was he yeah. on loan last year? He was year? on loan at Feyenoord last year. Feyenoord. Uh, hmm. but How, was he any good? 
he was fine. He was like a rotational winger for them. Um, but he looked really, really good. And admittedly, it was only against Forrest. But look, if he can end up becoming like a rotational option off the bench, I'll be quite happy because he's apparently a really hardworking guy. Uh, so yeah, good afternoon for, for me personally. Jumping ship from the Premier League, though, uh, we talked a little bit about La Liga earlier on in the context of Atleti, but this past weekend, Madrid drawing with Girona. Caleb, I know you had some thoughts on this game, but it could have even been, you know, three three points for Girona on the day. Yeah, I think they they showed what a what a strong Catalan side can do um, in the Madrid capital in a way that you know Barcelona could not. Um, Madrid, I think, rotated um, a little bit. Obviously, they they went strikerless again. Um, Kamavinga was was in the midfield sort of as the pivot, and I think he's probably not as good as Chiumeni in that role and probably prefers to be on the outside. But Girona really kind of took it to Madrid from the off. They hit the bar um, pretty early on through, you know, Herrera. Um, and in general, they they matched Madrid toe-to-toe. They had over 400 passes, and normally in a game like this, you'd expect, you know, Girona maybe to have closer to, to 200 or even less um, it's, you know, the second consecutive game that Madrid have dropped points, um, after they lost in the champions league last week, um, Barcelona are now only, you know, a single point behind, but it was just, you know, a good, a good result and a well-deserved, um, result for the small, uh, Catalan team. I love Girona. As a, I love Girona as a town, by the way. The, they have like a Jewish history museum there. I got a really, really good order. Yeah, that's where my great aunt lives. There. Dope. Um, They're I, a small I, Catalan team that have a very interesting connection with Manchester City. That we yeah, go that, that is. Yes. Into on this <laughs> podcast. But Dude, how good did Tati like, Castellanos look, by the way? MLS is finest. Right. Yeah, indeed. But I did just want to point out that, you know, it's not quite as as strict an underdog story as we yeah, maybe made yeah, no, okay. no, Caleb just did to Hirona what I did to RB Leipzig in like 2017, where I was like, this plucky newly promoted team. From- okay, but the money's not flowing in in the same way. <laughs> okay, let's let's be clear. It is funny, though, that um, my my roommate actually mentioned to me that um, one of the people he's working with at work is uh, the the sort of like other minority owner after city football group he's like a peruvian uh billionaire um so that's kind of cool that's my girona connection for the week um and you're gonna give me the time girona okay that's enough uh moving on uh i think the other (laughs) i kind of like that that was that was funny um the other i think we we already talked about cottage at letty the other result from La Liga this weekend we're talking about for just a moment is Barcelona's extremely late win against Valencia in a game that got pretty plucky. Um, Kunde went off injured, as did um, Eric Garcia as well. So we're really down to sort of the bare bones at the back, but Lewandowski bailing us out at the end um, in the 93rd minute. With Valencia's goal, goal should have stood, by the way. I was shocked when they took Valencia's goal back. It was the the most slightest of handballs like you could barely even see the deflection on, on but but it was deflected into the path of the it, it got deflected by the guy's hand on a cross and then their guy scored i mean it's kind of like a binary thing right 
I don't did, know. Did you, you saw it get deflected. Hand, yeah, but the new handball rule was bad. Yeah, but this deflected it into the path of the player. I don't know. I, I don't know. Harsh. I, I thought it was harsh. I didn't think it. It's, it's, think it's it kind was... of like spiritually harsh, but like. You think it's harsh, dude? He was playing volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I think die on a different hill, Nathan. Um, probably. <laughs> It would be my recommendation. I just, I just I just pulled it up. Nick, yeah. <laughs> like he was it was so blatant. Well, Barcelona won. So we're we're moving on from this one, although slightly slightly beleaguered. Let's move on to uh League Un briefly before we wrap up with Das Bundesliga. Uh das Caleb. Bundesliga. Caleb, uh, you've really been on a good run of just like jinxing the crap out of underdogs the last. Couple yeah, it's it's of true. I feel kind of You'll text bad. our group chat. You'll text our group chat with like, uh, "Hey guys, check out this upset that's going on." And then the second half, we'll see a team like PSG score three goals. Uh, but PSG were pushed to the brink by Troyer, and uh, ended up winning courtesy of Trois. Trois. Yeah, Very well. Troyer. T R O Y E S. Troyer. Trois. Trois. Doesn't that mean three? Yeah, yeah, it does. But it's also so trois. They, so, 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 trois scored trois buts. We. We. Anyways, Messi scored a goal And he is, uh, he is, I think, approaching his peak form right before the world cup which i personally like to see but yeah this is just a weird fluky la liga game in my opinion well first of all this took place in liga i did i not just say liga <laughs> no you said la liga but that's neither here nor there yes i thought this was an excellent game caleb once again killed the french underdog yeah, um, sorry. and not only did Lionel messi score an absolute banger of a goal in this game this game was Messi, neymar and mbappe's collectively their 70th goal contribution across the entirety of the campaign already and we at that point we were not even into november so psg certainly putting the goals away this season defensively still i think there's a lot to work out for this team system wise i think with galtier there's still a lot to work out for this team following up on our conversations from the last time i was on the the podcast discussing the mbappe debacle but yeah, PSG, for, for, for all their worth, are certainly more entertaining this season than they were under Pochettino last season. And this could be, according to a David Ornstein report, you know, the last season that we see Messi playing in France, considering that he could be making his way to Inter-Miami following the conclusion of this campaign. So uh, don't get too used to the Messi-Neymar-Nabappe combination in the PSG incarnation as it is in these games such as this, uh, if I were you. I I still haven't gotten used to seeing Messi wearing number 30 because every time he'll score these bangers and then turn around to celebrate. And I'm like, why is he why is he wearing this number? Uh that's very it's very visually jarring for me. But yeah, Messi leaving PSG will only be the second biggest L for Neymar recently. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> dude, 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 I honestly think that maybe the Brazil national team should not. I, like, honestly, I think this might seriously impact player morale. Uh, you know, but uh, no, know. I think that's totally true. Yeah, 
Well, Bolsonaro conceded today, so hopefully they have. Time well, to no, sorry, sorry. He 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 did not. He acknowledged concede. his defeat. He, yeah, yeah. He pulled a yeah. Um, but anyways, big news out of Brazil. Uh, before we go to the Bundesliga, not a whole lot happened in Serie A this last weekend. Napoli still are runaway leaders over Atalanta. They're five points clear. They picked up a big four 0 win over Sassuolo capping what was just an absolutely absurd unbeaten run that stretched 13 games uh where they only conceded more than one goal once in that in that time across Europe and Serie A so Napoli still very much uh in control Juventus needed a late winner to get past Lecce and continue to sort of be mired in their own managerial situation that we've talked about before uh and then you know not a whole lot else happened except for uh shout out seller natana whose team is sneaky like a collection of once slightly better than mediocre players of days of yore so like guys like antonio candreva uh christoph piatek who's somehow still there uh federico fazio of spurs fame uh tony trinidad valenia who is like a Big wonder kid in like 24. Oh, yeah. Feynord. Feynord. Didn't yeah. he play for Espanol last year? Did he? I thought he was in, um, I could have sworn he was in like Russia with like Ruben Kazan or something. I think so. But then he went to, uh, to here, let me see. Yeah. One he second. went Feynord to Krasnodar to Espanol to Salerno. Yeah. So it definitely, definitely not a career. He's on loan at Salernitana. Espanol had him on loan, bought him this summer, and then immediately loaned him to Salernitana. How That's strange cool. is that? What a weird, that's so weird. And Christoph also Piatek. on the, on the Christoph Piatek point, I think that there's like a Pokemon kind of evolution from Piatek to Jovic to Vlahovic. Let me know. <laughs> Is Piatek the base? Piatek's, Piatek's the, the base. The starter. The starter yeah. Pokemon. Okay. No, I think that's, I think that's fair. Like remember, cause there was basically a, a two month stretch in 2018 in like the fall of 2018 where he scored like a goal and a half per game and then he got bought by milan and everyone realized like oh shooting percentage regressing is actually like a real thing and we probably shouldn't have overspent on this dude who had never really been that big a goal scorer in the polish league anyways uh and then his career sort of fell apart from there but yeah what a weird career for Krzysztof piatek he'll definitely be a good uh remember some guys guy uh in like 10 years but uh nick i know you have a hard out so we may as well move on to our favorite league which had some huge results this last weekend bundesliga watch is still on courtesy of a a last minute winner for uh union berlin over borussia mönchengladbach courtesy of danilo decky uh that means that they stayed in first place instead of dropping below bayern which they would have done with a draw so shout out to our boys. Shout out to Union. Yeah, this is starting to look a little lustery. Uh, they're picking up momentum. They're winning games when it absolutely counts by any means necessary. Uh, they're putting the ball in the back of the net consistently, which is you know tough to do with the team of their resources, especially after losing a player like Taiwani in the offseason. So yes, I've been consistently impressed with Union Berlin and Bundesliga watch has become my favorite part of this podcast because the unpredictability seems to be back in the Bundesliga. And now that I've said that, Bayern are not going to lose or draw a single game until the end of the season. 
and <laughs> Bundesliga watch is going to end as quickly as it began. But I'm joining the ride. I am enjoying the ride with Union as long as it lasts. Hey, it's only 34 games, right? Yeah, and so yeah, and Bayern have some big, some big injury issues right now. But like, who knows? Is Eric Maxim Chubomoting going to score a goal per game for like the rest of his career in his year? He 30? could. He actually he could. could because it's Bayern. But um, yeah, yeah, they 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 picked up a six-two win over Mainz. Uh, Freiburg beat Schalke two <laughs> nil. Uh, Schalke are now bottom of the the Bundesliga table. Do you remember when we were growing up that Schalke were like a legitimate top four team, like pretty much every year in Germany? Yeah, well, they had they had like aged Raul and uh, like prime. They had, Nor- they had that Norwegian guy, um, Shellbred. Yep, and then they had Jefferson Farfan on the wing. Oh, Jefferson um, Farfan, who's oh Peruvian had- legend, yeah. Jefferson Farfan. So last week we last week we sat around and named a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of Paraguayan guys. How many more Peruvian players can you name off the top of your head? Oh, the uh, dude who played for Bayern. Who was the uh, guy? The striker? Claudio Pizarro. Claudio Pizarro. Oh, um, another Bundesliga. Uh, Luis Adavincula. Oh, oh yeah, Adavincula. a wide back who played for Rio. He rose to fame at I think the twenty fourteen World Cup. Oh, um, um, Andre Andre Carrillo, who was part of that Watford team when they first came up a couple of years ago. Uh, Yoshimar Yotun, who played for Cruz Azul and Orlando City back in like back like five years ago. I don't think I can name any more though, unfortunately. Oh, oh sh- I uh, bet I could that, recognize the goalie, more. The goalie on Orlando City, whose nickname is El Pulpo, uh, Pedro Gallese. There we oh, go. Pedro Gallese. That's I a good nickname. Like, yeah. For for a goalie, oh, um, nickname the octopus is a sick name. Who's the dude? Oh, he was a striker. Uh, I don't quite remember. Was it Claudio Pizarro? It wasn't Claudio Pizarro, but he. Oh, I don't know why I just thought of this guy randomly. I, I just looked him up. I don't know. I have no idea how I remember this dude. Christian Cueva. He plays in Saudi Arabia now. Did <laughs> he, he play for, for Sporting? at some point or Benfica at some point. That's what I thought, but it turns out he didn't. You might need to cut this in the podcast, but <laughs> nah. Um yeah. that's that's fun. Also Leipzig back in the top. Oh Raul Rui Diaz. First oh, Rui Diaz. Yeah he's a he's uh, another yeah. like MLS MLS legend. He's been really good anyways for like sorry that. Caleb. Oh um Renato Tapia as well. Oh yeah for Gotta be. Vigo. Yeah Pelta see if Vigo, you play right? enough if you play enough FIFA ultimate team like you know, I feel like you end up getting really good. We should we shouldn't make well, like a game out of it. And well, that's sort of what new... I was trying to do, Caleb, because yeah, Nick, yeah. because last week we we got sidetracked on um who is the player from who is the who Roque is the... Santa Cruz? Oh, no, we, there was some player. Who... Oh, Miguel Almaron. Yeah, we started talking about Miguel, oh, Almaron, oh, and we got led down a rabbit hole of like name some <laughs> names. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I'm actually gonna get much better about about the South American players because I am I just started a new my career um in FIFA 23. I'm a young 5'8 ginger Argentinian. I'm kind of like um McAllister. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah like Alexis McAllister. But, yeah. Um but I play for you know racing club and so I'm gonna learn all these new players from playing in like the Copa Sudamericana and stuff like that. So in a week I'll be way better with like Peruvian teams. Don't you worry. No, I'm uh, I'm kind of excited for this. And I, I reminded Caleb this yesterday, but 
Nick, Caleb once had a my career mode where he played as a right back in MLS. And I think whoever compiles the like the game data at FIFA where they look at like who is playing with what teams was probably so confused. They're probably like, what the hell is this guy doing playing as like an outside back in MLS in like FIFA 19 my career? So, yeah, I was like a bench for, player for the Revs. <laughs> I feel like that's still not as weird as like if you were like, oh, I'm going to start a my career. I want to be a goalie. No, but that but goalies like not do anything. I could see a a guy who played goalie growing up wanting to play as a goalie because goalies are SFC, yeah. Now you know? see, here's the problem is like now the goalkeepers union is gonna come for me and we're gonna get like hate mail and all that sort of stuff. So retract I retract my statement about the goalies. How about that? Yes, uh you can address all hate mail to <laughs> I'm not gonna dox Nicholasconvenient at gmail.com. Yeah, Nicholasconvenient. <laughs> at gmail.com um you know we got my email (laughs) yeah we'll be sure to we'll be sure to test you know check our spam folders and all of that uh but is there anything else you want to touch on before we we bid adieu until next week when we uh when we know the results of and the draw for the champions league nine yeah i'm good sounds good well champions league draw is on monday of next week uh obviously there's a full weekend and week of soccer still to come including spurs liverpool we've got a dutch classicer chelsea arsenal uh it certainly does not slow down at all uh this time of year but until next time i've been nathan strass dale brits and we'll see you all next time